15th and the 22nd we have Lynette Morris will be here on the 15th of March, that Wednesday night. And uh, Pastor Jamie Massey will be here on the 22nd. Uh, gonna liven it up a little bit. Uh, if you don't know who Jamie Massey is, her husband is the lead pastor at Cooper City. But she's also involved in uh, quite a few ministries. So you can Google her. You're all familiar with who Lynette is. So. We go with that. This morning we're going to talk about the compassion of Christ. You've all probably seen or heard about the movie The Passion of the Christ. Well, there's an attribute that Christ has in compassion, and it's something in our discipleship that we need to get a hold of. It's something that we need to grasp and, and we need to have because if we can have compassion then we can grow even deeper and we can do more Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 says but when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. Well, you're the laborers into this harvest. And Jesus saw these people when he came out and he stood before the multitudes and he, he could see that they were confused, that they were kind of aimless. They had no definite direction to go in. They were just kind of lost. He could see that they were worried about things and that there were people that were hurting and there were ones that were helpless. So in his compassionate way, he says, We've got to have workers to deal with these people. In church, that's what we have to do. The Lord is gracious. He is righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Let your compassion come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. You know, compassion alludes to kindness and to sympathy. But there's something deeper. There's something even more profound, more powerful in its meaning. The origin of the word comes from the Latin compati. It means to suffer with. Compassion means someone else's heartbreak becomes your heartbreak. Someone else's suffering becomes your suffering. True compassion changes the way we live. We must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do 
or omit to do, and more in the light of what they suffer. That was written by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. And if you don't know who he was, he was a real aggressive disciple for Christ back in Nazi Germany. He died in 1944. But he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And it's one really worth reading. Because it's everything he said in there is still so true today. That there is a cost to be a disciple of Christ. And feeling someone else's pain, when they have pain and suffering, and you know someone else is suffering and you're suffering right along with them, is good. I mean, the Bible is full of stories of compassion. Many compassionate Bible characters take place in the Old Testament. And examples of compassion are shown throughout the New Testament with Jesus Christ. These examples, they call on us, they challenge us. As followers of Jesus, this is something that we have to develop. We have to develop this compassion. We have to get it deeper. I mean, they always spoke of how God had compassion upon Israel. I mean, look at all the times Israel messed up. I mean, the Old Testament is just full of stories where Israel just, you know. I mean, God had to be going, what's up, Moses? You know, I mean, he calls them stiff-necked, I mean, and everything else. But yet he still had compassion on him. It also tells of a savior of the world who shed his blood for everyone in this place. For every sin you've committed and every sin you will commit. For the sins of mankind. He did it compassionately. He tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He tells us that's the greatest commandment, but next is to love your neighbor as yourself. And he means, you know, to you love yourself so much you make sure you have eternal life. Well, make sure your neighbor has it. Have compassion on the people around you. Love your neighbor. A lot of you were here for years. You can remember his covenant of praise to some of the guests we've had in. Always talked about the love and the compassion and the peace that they could feel in this place. They always remarked about that. They always talked about that. But then we got into a COVID situation where everyone became isolated and very much into themselves. And now we're digging our way out of that. Because isolation and desolation and stuff that COVID brought on is just not who we are as Christians. It's not who we are as followers of Christ. But I talked to so many pastors 
and they've all had problems to speak of. They call it a problem. People just not coming out to church anymore because they got so used to being home alone. And they think that watching a church service online is like receiving it in person and there's a total difference between those. So every church that I know of in this area has had a problem getting their attendance back up. People have become very isolated. You can see it in when you go into a supermarket, they don't want to get near each other, they don't want to talk to anyone. Communication is broken down. But people are also just starting to get out and enjoy life again. They're just starting to come back and you need to reach out. If we have the compassion that Jesus had, we'll be fine. If we can develop that, we'll be good. I mean, this church has daily prayer. It has three great Bible studies. You have a men's group, a women's group, and what I call lifestyles group that meets on Sunday. We have two weekly services. When we all get together and fellowship with one another, For it's the love of God. It's the compassion of Christ. And those things will always overtake the enemy if we can stay strong in what Christ has given us. If we can remember just who we are in Jesus Christ. I mean, Peter tells us to be sober-minded. Yeah, be alert. Be watchful. Be alert, be watchful, know what's going on. We have to always be on guard, but we have a very, very high power on our side. One that has overtaken the world. And we don't need to be victims of spiritual warfare. We don't need to be victims of anything because we are overcomers. And we can lead others into that if we just see them and feel the pain they feel, feel the hurt. I know a lot of you understand what I'm talking about. A lot of you experience that. A lot of you are very compassionate people. I remember times when we have prayer, the travail. You can just hear it going on. The people are just hurting for other people. We've done it and we need to just continue down that pathway. We need to have compassion on the sinner. Because let's face it, as human beings, we know a lot more about sin than we do goodness. We have a lot more experience with sin. But the old nature we have has passed away. Christ has made us new, brand new. The minute we've repented of our sin, we're new again. We're new. We have the goodness of God with us. 
you know, there's three types of people that are incapable of compassion. The first one is the legalist. The legalist believes in the law above everything else. People do not matter. Nothing matters but the law. If you take, for instance, in John 8, where the woman is caught in adultery, and she's brought before Jesus, she's right in the very act. You know, the first question you want to ask yourself is, where's the man? Because it does take two. But he's not there. And they bring him before him, and they lay him down in front of Jesus, and they say, the law, the law says she must be stoned. And Jesus, Jesus looks down, and he tells them, whoever is without sin can throw that first stone. Because these people came to uphold the law. They could not feel the dignity of this woman, the humanity of this woman. They had no regard for who she was as a person. All they cared about was the law. So Jesus says, yeah, you without sin, you go ahead and throw the stone. And finally, he looks at the woman. And he says to her, where are those that condemn you? And she says, they left. No one has judged you, he said. She says, no. Well, he says, I don't judge you either. I don't judge you guilty. You may go. Sin no more. He sent her out brand new again. Restored her humanity. Restored her dignity as a human being. But these others, all they cared about was this is the way it's got to be. This is the law. Another group of people are the mockers. I call them that because all they really care about is getting a laugh. You see these on social media a lot of times where they're putting up pictures of people and just totally embarrassing someone just to get a laugh. They feel nothing for the human being. They have no compassion. They're not capable of passion. They don't care how much pain they cause. They just want to laugh. There's a lot of very younger people in colleges and stuff. This is how they operate. Let's just get a laugh. They bully people. You see it all the time. You read about young people hanging themselves and committing suicide because they've been bullied. But the people that bully them usually do it through, through laughter. So they can't. They can't have compassion. And the third group is the radical with a cause. We all know if a radical has a cause, the only thing that's going to matter is the cause. I mean, look at the terrorists 
that bomb a building, they don't care how many people they kill. Nothing matters to them but the cause. It's all about the cause. They can't have any compassion. And believe it or not, people, there's terrorists in the church. They call them church terrorists. A friend of mine put up with them. He had a very thriving church. And one group, one person just kind of, they were going to change something in the sanctuary. And one person was totally against it and just raised all kinds of havoc. Just totally go to people behind the pastor's back, tell them you can't do this, you can't do that. We can't have this. Just totally, totally terrorizing the place. No compassion. No compassion. You know, it's like that scripture that says in Matthew, you know, that you need to, as you look at somebody, as you look at the speck in your brother's eye, you got to consider the plank that's in yours. We can't look at people and judge them that way. We have to have compassion on people. We can't say things, judge people, condemn people. We must have the same compassion that Christ had. I mean, he died on a cross for me. And you wonder, you know, you, you hear the story of Jesus in the synagogue and he's He's teaching, and you hear the people. What are the people doing? Isn't that the carpenter's son? How does he know these things? How can he speak these things? How can he say what he's saying? Isn't he just the carpenter's son? In churches all across this nation here, isn't he just the alcoholic? Isn't that just the drug addict? Isn't that the thief? Do you think they went around and said, isn't Moses the murderer? Isn't he the murderer? How can we follow him across the Red Sea? He's a murderer. No compassion. No compassion. This morning we're going to look at some scriptures and some stories and see the compassion of Christ and understand what we need to develop some of you, like I said, you have good compassion. Develop it even further, even deeper. Become more and more like Jesus. In Mark 6, verse 34, And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves some bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered them, and he said, you give them something to eat. 
Isn't that so much like us sometimes? We want to push off things onto somebody else because we don't want to take it. We don't want to do it. We don't want to take the ball. We don't want to have to do that. I mean, if people are hungry, if they're famished, if they're like that, they'll eat anything. You get hungry enough, you're going to eat anything. Well, spiritual hungry people are going to listen to everything or anything. That's why you have places like Spiritual Journey. Because the church isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. And those people are hungry. So they run to places like this where they're told this, this rock will, will heal you. Just hold it up and tap it with the other rock and you'll be healed. You know, do this little dance around the feathers. Feed them. Feed the people. Jesus wanted the disciples to take care of it. You know, and they went through, and that's where they fed the 5,000. We can do that. We have the ability. We have the power. We have the authority. Jesus has given us all that. He's given us everything. So let's feed these people that are hungry. I mean, it's good. Just feed them so they don't end up at places like spiritual journey. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Now it happened the day after that he went into the city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. And then he came and he touched the open coffin and those who carried it still still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up, began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Jesus didn't have the compassion on the dead man. He had the compassion on the mother, the mother that lost his son. He could feel the pain that she was having. He could feel her being all torn up inside. He could see the anguish in her eyes the loss, the devastation. He could feel all this. And it was so overwhelming. Jesus had to just lift the, the sun up. With all the compassion that he has, he could feel all that pain. I mean, you can feel sometimes when you're praying for people, the hurt that they have. Don't be afraid to feel it. Feel the hurt. Feel the pain. I can remember so many times I'd be waking up in the middle of the night to pray and I'd be praying and I'd be in pain and I'd be bent over and I don't even know what I'm praying for. 
but I'm travailing and praying for somebody that's hurting. We need to do this. We need to get away from the isolated, selfish, self-righteous mood that we've, we've been in from, the, from everything else. And then you have, of course, everything that's going on in the world. You know, do you feel the pain for those people in Turkey? I mean, they say 45,000 are now dead. 45,000 people. Here in a minute and gone in the next. Oh, Lord, just cover those people. Cover those people, Lord. Those families that are hurting, those families that left loved ones, Lord. Lord, bring them peace. Bring them comfort, Lord. Put the blanket of your Holy Spirit upon them, Lord, and cover them. We have to be Christ-like. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about where eternity is a lot longer than whatever years you're going to live in this earth. I mean, I'm already on extended time. Or if you're a soccer fan, I'm in yeah, extended time is what they call it. My normal lifespan is now on extended time. So away we go. I mean, how many of you are familiar with the story of the prodigal son? Young man decides it's time. He wants to get his inheritance. He was able to do that. His father gives him his inheritance. He goes out and he sows his wild oats. You can just imagine sex, drugs, rock and roll, you know. He was just having a good time. He was party, party, party. And you know when you're in that situation, you've got friends until the money runs out. And then that's gone. So he partied hardy. And then all of a sudden it was gone. All the people that he'd thought were his friends were gone. He ends up taking a job at a pig farm. And if you've ever seen a pig farm, they're not the nicest places in the earth. I remember, now I grew up in a little town in New Jersey. There was 900 people. There was approximately 1,500 cows. But we also had, we also had a pig farm down on the other end of town from where I lived. And me and some of my friends, we used to go down to the pig farm once in a while. And we'd ride the pigs. You know, we thought we were like, you know, busting Broncos. I mean, we're eight, nine, ten years old. We don't realize these things could bite you, these things can do all. But, you know, you're riding them around, they're in the slop. And, of course, you don't stay on them very long, so now you're covered in slop. And there's no hiding that when you go home. I mean, you're just covered from head to toe in mud. So here's this young man who's got his inheritance and he's down to nothing. And he's working at this pig farm and he's, he's eating right along with the pigs. And pigs don't eat the healthiest food in the world. 
<laughs> you know, they're not like cattle. They don't get the good grain and the hay and stuff like that. They get slop. They get slop. So he's eating slop. And one day he just had enough. And he has to swallow his pride and go home with his, as he say, his tail wagging between his legs. And in Luke 15, 20, we pick it up. And he says, he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father was so happy that his son has returned that it didn't matter that he blew through his inheritance. It didn't matter that he lived a very corrupt lifestyle for a period of time. None of that mattered. All that mattered was that he was home. Doesn't this remind you a little bit about how God feels about us? We get all caught up in the sin and the darkness of the world. But then we humble ourselves and we come before God. And Jesus just kisses us. He puts us in his arms. He said, I'm so glad you're here. I love you so much. Forget about everything that happened yesterday. It's over. You're brand new today. You're brand new today. What you want to do today, you do. The calling I've put on your life, you fulfill the calling because you're a new creation. I've forgiven you of everything. I'm just glad you're here. They say that when a sinner repents of his sins, the angels rejoice. The heavens are full of joy. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And they could have easily called this story instead the prodigal son, the compassionate father. We have a compassionate father. You understand the compassion that God has for us. And you can see the parallel between the two. And then you have a story of a Pharisee that invites Jesus to dinner. Now Jesus is invited to dinner over this Pharisee's house. And along with Jesus are going to be some of the local leaders. You know, some of the Pharisees, some of the priests and the temples and stuff and the synagogues, they'll be there, the religious leaders. You know, the mayor of town's going to be there. All the rich, influential people who are so used to having their way because they're powerful men. They're all going to be there. And Jesus comes in and as he's sitting there, we pick it up in Luke 7. Verse 36, and he says that one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And when he went to the Pharisee's house, he sat down to eat. 
And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him and weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now as this is going on, they're all, all these big influential people who have no idea who Jesus is, how compassionate he is, or anything else. They're, they're all like, this guy is who he says he is. He ought to know who's kissing his feet. I mean, he's got a prostitute there just pouring herself out on him. He shouldn't allow this. This is not right. And she's just, they're, they're having a hissy fit. You, you can figure that out. These people are just going crazy. And Jesus just sits there and lets it go on. He says nothing. Now, a little bit later in the story, he gives Simon, whose house it was, he gives him some parallels and some stories to tell him what's really going on. But it was really this woman. She wanted so much to just express her feelings and maybe there were no words that she could say to describe how she felt towards Jesus. Maybe there were no words at all. But she expressed her love and her feelings for him and what she poured out upon him. She let him have all of that. I mean, it was a remarkable thing to see. I would have loved to have seen that. Because we've all been in situations where, where you've met people that think they're holier than holy. You know, they think the word was invented for them. And Jesus comes in and just does. Because this lady was humble. She was full of gratitude. I mean, she used her hair to dry his feet. She kissed him. You know, maybe she was thinking of things that John had said when John said we love him because he first loved us. But in the end of it all, Jesus says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Why? Because he had compassion for her. He had compassion. Nobody else in that house could understand it. Nobody else could comprehend what Jesus felt. And as society changes and gets harder and harder, nobody's really going to understand how you're acting out there because you're going to be different. If you're a true Christian, you're not going to mingle with the world. And the world's going to see you in a different light. And they're not going to understand you. What did Peter tell us? We're a peculiar people. In other words, we're strange. People think we're strange as it is now. I guarantee you, people that are hearing about that revival going on in Kentucky, 
don't understand it. They haven't got a clue of what's going on there. Not a clue. But yet God is moving. And if you're out there as a disciple of Jesus Christ, doing what the Lord would have you do, wherever it is and however it is, the world's not going to understand you either. We have to remember who we belong to, who bought us, who paid the price for us. We're not free. We've been bought and paid for. And we have to remember that. Then in Mark 1, verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, can you make me clean? And Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I am willing to be cleansed. I am willing to be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I can remember being in places. Leprosy is a horrible, horrible disease. And at that time, Jews, especially a rabbi, shouldn't be anywhere near somebody with leprosy, much less touch them. But Jesus did. But I also remember people when COVID was here that prayed for people that they know had COVID. They laid hands on them with no regard for their own health. They just laid hands on people and prayed for people. Amen. I know people that delivered things to people's houses knowing that there was COVID there, but they had no regard for themselves. They had compassion on who they were delivering the food to and stuff. I mean, this is the kind of atmosphere that we need to create. This is the kind of thing that we need to get strong in because we were strong there. And this COVID has changed the atmosphere of the city, of the people, in the schools that kids were isolated. People became isolated, but we're not an isolated people. Human beings need to associate with one another. We need to have fellowship with one another, and we need to have the compassion of Christ with us wherever we go. Touch the people. Pray with the people. Feel the pain they feel. Dixon, come on. Pray with them. Love on them. There's an old saying, to err is human, to forgive divine. I remember that. I used to use that a lot of times when I was a kid because my mother would be yelling at me and I'd say, hey, to err is human, man. Mom, to forgive is divine. She didn't always go for it, but I used it. The fact is, we're mortals. We will commit sin. But the Apostle Paul says in Romans, all have sinned and come short the glory of God. 
We need to remember that, folks. We're all sinners. Let's look at people with compassion. Let's look at people the way Christ looked at people. Not through the mortal eyes, but through our spiritual eyes. Let's develop our spiritual eyes to see what needs to be seen. We all need repentance. That's the truth. They say that we're capable of reason at the age of eight. So from eight years old up, we're responsible for what we do and what we say. We have to remember that. So we all need the cleansing that comes from the atonement of Christ. Amen? Let's stand. There's been a great move of the Spirit this morning in this house. And if you need prayer this morning, for any reason, if you just want to come down to the altar and just get next to God, because His presence is, is strong in this place. And He loves you all so much. And He has so much compassion for you. He has so much compassion for you. He just wants to love on you. Wants to pray.